Hello, dear listeners, and welcome back to Flight Through Entirety, the only Doctor Who commentary podcast whose knives are sterilised before sacrifices. I'm Brendan. I'm Nathan. I'm Todd. And I'm James. James, I thought I told you that you weren't allowed to be on the podcast. Uh, Richard cannot uh, join us today. He has family commitments, so he has nominated James in his stead. So James finally gets to be on an episode of Flight Through Entirety where he's not playing the master. Oh, you're not playing the master, and that's the only reason I was uh, prepared to let you in the ha- in the room. No, I am actually going to play the master. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, fans of the podcast may have also noted this week that Big Finish have announced their the Time Incorporated Master Box set, which will feature James in adventures based in and around the Matrix after Time Incorporated. So, I'm really looking James. To <laughs> So, uh, today we are watching The Stones of Blood, which was uh, nominated by Richard and Todd as a story. Um, So, yes, your code word, uh, we're currently sitting on the DVD menu of uh, The Key to Time, box set edition of The Stones of Blood. Your code word will be Diplos. So, uh, the next time... (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> the next time you hear me say that word, I would like you to press play. Are you ready, dear listener? Diplos. And we're off. Well, this is exciting. I love Mary Tan. Oh. I love this story. No, you don't, Todd. Surely you don't. Oh. You never stop bad-mouthing Mary Tan when you're off mic. Oh. Well, yeah, no, because I met her once. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. Did we all meet her? I, I certainly met I her. I wasn't at who mentioned too. Yeah, she was me. lovely. I, I was yeah, far too young. Lovely. It oh. is kind of heartbreaking. Let's get it out of the way. It is heartbreaking that she's it's no longer with you. us. She mm-hmm. really was spectacular. And I think we spent a lot of time praising her ironic detachment and her... Uh, her bravery in having a little sabbatical from acting for that year. <laughs> I love that that crossfade between the TARDIS and the, and the, the segments, yeah. And this yeah. Uh, very expensive set that we have here. I loved this set as a kid. Like, it, 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 it got across to me the idea that they can just press a few buttons in the console room and this room can be anything. <laughs> I just love it. It is the first time, it's isn't it? Okay. It's the first time that uh, the companion has been just vastly more competent than the Doctor. And I think Tom works that way. The same way that Colin does when he's being silly and incompetent as well, when he gets something wrong. Tom works terrifically well having both Romanas with him just because he gets to be the sort of silly anti-establishment one. He doesn't, you know, he's ostensibly in charge, but he gets someone to kind of rebel against as well, and that suits him perfectly, I think. Um, Yeah, now this is our first and only story this season set on Earth. Yes. I love that shot. Stock footage. But we still managed to get space corridors. Yes, that's true. Um, And I think, yeah, this would be the first story set on Earth since Image of the Fendal. (laughs) So we've had six consecutive non-Earth stories. Oh, it's it's good to come back to. It it, it does feel very Image of the Fendal, doesn't it? Better than that. Oh, well, yes. Yeah, well, I think think we discussed at the time on the podcast that, you know, there's two stories where Graham Williams does the Hinchcliffe thing of menace in the home counties. Or three. I mean, I... You know, does um does horror fang rock count? I mean, everyone. Oh, that, uh, um, that's true, I suppose. But that is semi-historical yeah. as well. Whereas image and this are 
are um, present day, but I suppose, you know, um, Pyramids of Mars was historical. So. People, uh, people always claim horror of Fang Rock for Philip Hinchcliffe on the grounds that they can't believe that Graham Williams would produce a good story. I mean, I really disagree with that. I think that's terrible. And I think both um, Image of the Fendal, which is not totally successful, and this story do Hinchcliffe things more interestingly than and Hinchcliffe with, does. With, and with less sort of dark sort of attitudes and yeah. menacing of the companion in a, a horrific way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they have ladies in them as well. Yes, more than nice one change. lady. Speaking more than one lady. He, here's one lady. Here's Martha. Martha. Yeah. Yes, at least one guest lady. If not two. <laughs> this one has three, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, so it's, it's got Martha and later we'll have, of course, Professor Amelia Rumford. <laughs> And, and her um, nipples. And her nipples. And her sausage sandwich. <laughs> and, uh, and Vivian Fay. Um, now, th- when I was a kid, this is the scene my um, VHS copy cut in on, on exactly this shot of, <laughs> <laughs> of the door. Um, so you thought that's where the story started? Well, yeah, it meant until literally until I bought the American DVD set, because um, I'll get into the DVD release in a moment. Uh, literally, when I bought the American DVD set in 2003, that was the first time I saw those opening scenes. I like, love her outfit. I do too, and her shoes. Mm. I, I love those shoes. Yeah, yeah. It's actually think. really, it's actually really quite um, timeless. It's like you know, it doesn't look that sort of 70s. I mean, what the, the hell is that? They're her disco stew <laughs> shoes. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I forgot about those. <laughs> I want that hat. It's very Burberry, isn't it? Oh, it this is a Burberry a warning, hat, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Where the Black Guardian or something. Yeah, I think here, because does she know about the Black Guardian at this no, point? No, no, this is where she finds out, because she thinks she was sent by the president. Yes. And, and this is literally the scene where the doctor's explaining that it wasn't the president, it was the White Guardian who sent you. And I think it is about time that we reestablish the premise of the um, of the season as well. Yeah, well, th- this is mid-season now, so it's a good time to remind us. And also, of note, it, this is the 100th Doctor Who story. They were going to take a cake out of that fridge. Yeah, yeah, and to wish the Doctor there a happy... There's that cut scene, isn't there, yeah. from the BBC um, and VT tapes? Um, well, I don't think they ever shot it. Oh, they did? Okay. Because I get, um, the story Daryl Blake tells is they ordered the cake um, and then didn't get, it didn't get to shoot the scene, so everyone just had cake. <laughs> <laughs> Hooray! Uh, but pa- perhaps it was shot. In a prescient homage to flight through entirety. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> We're having crisps today and olives rather than cake. And I, 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 I bought I bought a cake. Oh, we did have carrot cake. cake carrot cake. Yeah, carrot cake. Oh, cake. Yes. Sorry. Here we go. It was ogre-themed carrot cake, right. actually, yeah. for those of you at home. It turned to ashes in your mouth. <laughs> and, and, and last week when we talked about Dragonfire, of course, Richard made, made us a lovely lemon poppy seed and gin cake. Oh, that was so terrific. Such gin. Yeah, so, yeah. so cream. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> It was, a, it was a good cake print, 13 out of 10. Yeah, would eat again. <laughs> and, of, of course, you know, the benefit of having this limbo set is, you know, you just focus on these two completely. Ah, okay. Nice. See, I bought, it, I bought it as this is a null space yeah. as a kid. Like, yeah. I didn't go, oh, they, they ran out of money. Space. Like, they've, <laughs> they've just hung some black drapes in a, in a studio. Yeah. No, it's very well done. 
It's very well done. And, yeah, and then we've got the, this shot of them framed in the door, which... Which doesn't look like it's in 4x3. <laughs> <laughs> no, it looks like it's someone shooting portrait on their iPhone. Damn it. I hate those people. Can you not do that? Have you people never seen a television screen or a cinema screen? Stop shooting video in portrait, please. Okay, I work in reality TV, and so we have contestants auditioning for shooting their own stuff. They're given several pages worth of literature saying don't shoot in portrait. And they do At it. least one in ten. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't think they understand what a portrait is. Oh, another bit of comedy. I love this. Yes. <laughs> oh, dear. Back when, Doctor, <laughs> back when Doctor Who was fun. Yeah. Yeah. I loved that. Yes. If the Doctor had kept, like, a secret like that from the companion, you know, the whole... It wasn't the president of a white garden thing for like what is it twelve episodes now or oh, eight episodes? Yeah. Twelve, 12 episodes. Um, that would have been a huge thing, you know. It would have been a betrayal of trust in the new series. Oh, yeah, I just yeah, yeah. Love the way he throws that umbrella <laughs> away. Litterbug. Actually, no, you're right, James. It is eight episodes because this is the third story. Mm. Oh, and they were, were they all four parters? Yeah, um, until until um, except for um, Armadillo. What's uh, it? Yeah. The Armadillo faction. Yes. Oh, the K1 robots been through here. <laughs> can I just say that, you know, how fabulous is someone that can just put the heel of their, their shoe into a, a ditch like this and work out the massive uh, <laughs> of a creature or whatever? Do you think it's a reference? Do you remember the dandelion in Robot where the doctor works out? The, how much yes, <laughs> because of how crushed the that. dandelion is. Yeah. So she's like a version of the doctor who's just vastly more glamorous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And you know she's got her her tracer slash sonic screwdriver. Yeah, um, I, I love these shot these long shots of the, the the circle and coming to it. I think by this time they had stopped running a wire up Mary Tam's leg and down her arm to light up the tracer <laughs> <laughs> because you're not going to see the light on location. Um, because that's what she said about ribos operation. You know, there was this little man <laughs> running around after her, <laughs> running around after her and taping things onto her leg, <laughs> and you know, uninsulated wires, so they were getting hot. <laughs> Why didn't they have batteries, for God's sake, in 1970? And also, uninsulated wires. <laughs> they were trying to kill her. Well, n- sorry, uh, you know, insulated from electricity, but not insulated from heat. Yeah. <laughs> It's like mentioning a bare copper wire running down her arm. <laughs> spark, spark. Um, now, the director, Daryl Blake, of course, takes the um, it takes the very wise decision here to um, uh, film to shoot everything on video. So the exteriors are done on video. The internals, the studios, are done on video as well because he hated the typical look of film outside and video inside, and you get a visually, visually jarring contrast switching between the two, which is tradition for Doctor Who. And, in fact, in this season, in Androids of Tara, that's what they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, get the, you get the film. Um, here she is. Hooray. Until, until um, season 23, when it became traditional to use video everywhere, it was just this robot... And Sontaran the Sontaran experiment. experiment, where everything was done on video. I think I think it actually lends quite a sort of ethereal, otherworldly quality to the the image, because the way the video picks up the brightness of the sky. Mm. I think it looks cheaper, and I think it looks more like children's television. And 
I think it's a shame. I don't like the jarring thing as well because it makes it really obvious when we're in the studio and when we aren't. And here, because you've got um, nighttime scenes in the circle that are shot in the studio, I think, you know, it but was... I have to say those are pretty convincing, those nighttime yeah. scenes. and only because the daytime scenes are on videotape. Yeah. If, if, if they weren't, you would see that, yeah. that jarring thing. And I always... This stuff here I always think looks like um, it's soft focus on purpose for all the cast. I don't know why. <laughs> I always thought that as a kid. Well, I, I think it's um, I think it's what James said. I think it's to give it an ethereal quality and it looks to me like um, a filter or lens on the camera yeah. mm. because the, the, the colours are bleeding. Oh, my God. Oh, this is amazing look, look from it. Tom. <laughs> <laughs> God, he looks older than in Leisure Hive. She's so funny delivering this. Like, yeah. just the way that she does it, it's like she's reaching into her memory to struggle to remember <laughs> oh, the lines. You could actually see it visibly coming to the surface. Yeah, yeah. She's such such a good actress. And she had such an amazingly fun time working on this show. Um, you know, famously, she saw John Leeson wandering around taking photos, so gave her gave him her old Leica camera from 1930 or something like that. Um, but a, um, a friend of the podcast, and I cannot remember who now, so I do apologize, <gasps> discovered that a Christopher Isherwood novel is dedicated to Beatrix Lehman and her husband. Wow. wow. I don't know which one. I can't remember now. Speaking of which wow. husband. <laughs> I don't know. That <laughs> <either>. <laughs> is, is Beatrix Lehman the first openly lesbian at this time? She she had actually come out at this time, hadn't she? Oh, I didn't realise um, that. Maybe it's not her husband. Well, no, no, no. I think she was married earlier on, but by this point it was in a relationship with a woman. Yeah. Is she the first openly lesbian guest cast member? I don't know. I, don't know. I didn't even know she was. So. We had a number of years where there weren't really? very many of I could women be completely wrong, but I always thought she was lesbian. Um, I I don't know. Tom. Susan Engel is just yes. wonderful here in mm. that pink vision and she's just so charming, too suave. Uh, you, know, <laughs> you just know there's something not quite right straight away but you, know, you can't quite put your finger on it. Even if it's just I think it's just fabulous. Sandwich. You've got three wonderful women characters here with the Doctor and you just don't see that. No. no. It's, it's so refreshing. Mm. It is one of my favourite classic series stories probably because of the strength of the female guest cast. I just love... Romana with her shoes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Nathan, you're going to the UK next, aren't you? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, you should go to the National Portrait Gallery because there are 12 portraits of Beatrix Lehman in you're the kidding. National Portrait Gallery. <laughs> but they probably went to you take photos of them. Not even no. selfies with them. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> Hanging with Professor Rumford. Mm, yeah. I, would, I would like a hat like that. Oh, typical man. <laughs> typical man. Oh, yes. Yes. Let's go back to my house for some sausage sandwiches. <laughs> and a little bit something more. But she's still That's a bit a... less sleazy than Juno What's-A-Face from K9 and Company. Oh, yes, yes. Mm. Yeah, the poor man's um, Susan Engel. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there is something terribly light and fun about this, isn't there? Just, uh, any, you know, any story with Tom yomping around the countryside. And, you know, there's very few people you can describe as yomping, but I mm. think Tom Baker is definitely one of them. Um, 
Here we are. In Christopher Isherwood's diaries, Isherwood describes meeting Mick Jagger at the Australian Outback, where he was filming Ned Kelly. Mick Jagger, very pale, quiet, good-tempered, full of fun, ugly, beautiful, a bit like Beatrix Lehman. (laughs) (laughs) I think Beatrix Lehman is more beautiful ugly, isn't she? Well, I actually think that probably Mick Jagger would be indistinguishable from Beatrix Lehman, (laughs) like in a police lineup by this stage. Despite the fact he's a lot younger. Probably not by now. No, 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 no. I I meant back then. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, so here we are in the studio. Is he about to put out this rather poorly? Like, you know, when he's... Oh, puts yes. the lid on it. Puts the lid down and misses, and misses <laughs> three times or something. Yeah. It's, it's almost like he's an actor who doesn't want to burn his hand off. Kaliak. <laughs> Kaliak. Whoa. She's the <laughs> Kaliak. Kaliak. Don't you know? And, and that's about as much as we can get away with without being sued by apples. So. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so um, these two are terrible, aren't they? Do you think? Oh, I... I think he's a bit over the top, but I really like her. Leonard, I'm not going to leave you. Sorry, yeah. I'm that yeah. one of the worst decisions made by a supporting character in the history of the show. It's like, no, really, you can. You yeah. can. <laughs> I really like this shot. Look yeah, at that. The, yeah, the, Isn't that spectacular? That gate just looks terrific. The um, That reminds me, like, I always, I always thought this scene was in um, Image of the Fendal. I always match the two of them together. Is there another scene in Image of the Fendal with him walking down a street, like uh, past a wall? Uh, yes, yes, when he's on his way to the Priory. Is this the same place as Seeds of Doom? Like, like that just reminds me of them going no, outside. No, it, I'm re- being reminded of it as well. Mm-hmm. Like all of them have the big old Gothic house. It's a kind of, it's a sort of Avengers style thing, is it? It's a, it's a trope. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. Is, it is definitely an, Avenger, <laughs> an Avengers trope, like gum. Um, Possibly the easiest to find example of it is um, one of the very early colour episodes from Venus with Love. Here we go. Which features John Pertwee as as an old um, as an old army man, and he's recording his memoirs, and he's surrounded by these record players to play the sound effects. <laughs> but he's in a big country house, right? Yeah, he's that's not the only one that Pertwee's in. Is he in the Hidden Tiger, or did I dream that? No, no, he's not in the Hidden Tiger. Ronnie Barker's in the Hidden Tiger. Really? Yeah. Uh, but no, Pertwee's only in one. Okay. And I, um, he is the only Doctor who appears in an Avengers episode. Doesn't Drought never appear? No. Um, Annika Wills is in two <laughs> Avengers episodes. Um, but I think that's also it for Doctor Who companions. Mm. Yeah. It's an interesting shot, this one, because when I watch it and when I watch it as a kid... Um, your eye is drawn to those three missing portraits, which, of course, will come into play later. Um, it's actually quite good, isn't it? I quite like the window as well. It's very rare to have windows in shot and they don't look terrible. Mm. Now, I'm, I'm going to ask James directly because I have a feeling, Nathan and Todd, you, um, you may not remember it. James, do you remember the ghosts of Motley Hall? Yes. Yeah, very but, vaguely. But very vaguely. That's the thing. As a kid, these Doctor Who stories in old houses reminded me of that. It was this old house haunted by all these ghosts. It was kind of like a British version of Casper because they were friendly ghosts. And they, um, I think the family who lived there were trying to sell the house and the kid didn't want to move. Was so the a, ghosts helped the kid. Was it a Cosgrove Hall off. series? I think it was, but live yeah. action. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like it kind of reminds me of things like Billy Webb. Do you remember Billy Webb? That was 
No. A terrible, terrible kids' TV show from the late 80s, early 90s. About a child with a watch that could turn back time. Oh, right. A bit like Hermione. <laughs> yes, yes. Why didn't I'm they sure do that all the time? I'm surprised they didn't sue J.K. Rowling. <laughs> <laughs> what, like go back in time using the watch and then sue J.K. Rowling? Now, I just well, like... <laughs> no, because it was made before J.K. Oh, Rowling. Yeah. I, do, I, do, I do like the way Mr. DeFries just drops in Doctor into the conversation having actually never been introduced to the mm. Doctor. Because mm. uh, the raven told him. Is it a crow? Raven. Same thing. That's what, that's what I... Like it, it used to really get to me. As it's first like when John. I <laughs> watched this as a kid, like, you know, that's... You can't have that. But now I think it's just a bit of fun. It's nice. Mm. Yeah. I, think, I think they are crows because um, Vivian identifies them as crows shortly, I think. Um. And just, you know, the way this shot is composed as well, just then you have, well, here you've got a really strong triangle in the frame of the three women, and they're in a similar colour palette. They're all wearing shades of pink, um, Professor Rumford under her under her coat, but it ties them together and kind of emphasises how strong this story is for, for women characters. Apart from uh, DeFries's, uh lover. That's true. <laughs> I suppose, yeah. But you know, at at the moment, we're meant to believe that Professor Rumford and Vivian Fay are on the Doctor and Romana's side, and the other side is Defries and Martha. Yeah, it is a big fake out. This story, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I guess we'll talk more as, about it as the best Doctor Who stories are, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, Were they trained those birds? Like the shots that they're doing, they went to Rada, darling. <laughs> How do you know that uh, Crow went to Rada? He tells, tells you. you. Yeah. I'm just interested because like, I've used those shots podcast. a few times. <laughs> and, it, and it just looks like, you know what I mean, they're, they're on the stones and that sort of thing. Do they mm-hmm. just take advantage of it? I don't know. Well, um, crows and ravens are very intelligent birds, so they're easier to train than, say, pigeons or parrots. Mm. You don't think they stapled them to the stones? No, I don't anything? think so. Okay. I mean, you know, that being said, parrots are very intelligent as well, but I think um, crows are a bit more willful. There's been all these studies done where crows will be able to figure out, for instance, you know, if they're given three switches, which each give them a different amount of seed, it only takes them about five minutes to figure out which switch gives them the most amount of seed. And just go straight for that. Yeah. A crow is actually intelligent enough to have script edited Doctor Who for five years. Did you know that? At FTE Who Facts. What, between 1981 and 1986? Maybe. Oh, Okay. (laughs) Someone's smoking. Why is yeah. he smoking? Because, well, this is evil. Oh, actually, now we can say it's because he's evil. Back then, it's just like, eh, no, that's what people did. Doesn't happen very often in Doctor Who. No, that's true. And generally, it's evil or suspicious-looking characters that do it as well. Although those people in uh, Resurrection of the Daleks are smoking just because I think Sayward thinks it's gritty. It's gritty. Yeah. <laughs> like sand in uncomfortable places. Yeah. <laughs> Beware the raven or the crow. Mm. Oh, that's a nice so, so, so it's, it's a raven or a crow. It's not <laughs> it either. Is. So um, the exterior location we were talking about earlier is uh, the Reed Business School in um, in uh, Little Compton, Warwickshire. <laughs> was, it, was it even then? <laughs> oh, that's what it was then, yes. And oh, whack. Here we go. <laughs> Probably being converted into a stately home or something now. 
<laughs> I, th- I, I think I think keeping focus on the face is a good His thing. His blood is warm. I know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> you see here, you, you see, so so the the evil William uh, uh, Fay has had to come back up to the house just for that one to s- nip in, be evil, then and get then, changed, go, go back, back, prepare some sausage sandwiches. Yes, yeah. I went I went to Outpost Gallifrey once, and somebody was walking around in a costume like that. Like, was that good? Oh, you mean <laughs> Gallifrey One? <laughs> oh, sorry, Apple's Gallifrey One. What am I saying? Well, Gallifrey One, yes. It's the same, same people. Thing. Sorry. <laughs> oh, Hermione's going for a stroll. Now, this is this is the moment, of course, where, where Tom refused to appear physically because he didn't want the Doctor to be a symbol of danger for children, which I kind of understand. And as a child, this that made that made this scene all the freakier because I got that Romana could see something I couldn't see. Did you? I yeah. didn't. No. I, I had you, no idea no, what was going yeah, on. It I, renders I, I, this scene un- incomprehensible, incomprehensible and it is almost certainly because just Tom was being a dick <laughs> and refusing to cooperate because he was quite happy to lunge at Princess Strella's android with a big sword, you know, it, you know, the following story. That's true. That's true. I, I read it in the same way as Brendan. As I just didn't kid. get it. No. I, I, it was only as I got older that I worked out. But now Mary Tam's just seen the script for Time Lash. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that drop was about a metre. <laughs> she's not a great screamer. No, like, but that's good. That's what we want. don't want her to be a good screamer. No. Yeah, see... In two stories' time, in Power of Crawl, she's going to give a traditional Doctor Who scream of just, I'm going to hit a musical note. Whereas that was a guttural, I'm about uh, to die scream. Yeah. That's, a, that's a realistic scream. Yeah. It's, it's like when um, the very rare occasions where Nyssa screams, you know, it's a proper, from the diaphragm, I'm actually terrified. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, again, a, it's a scream in, in context. It's not yeah. just a scream because I'm a Doctor Who girl and I have to scream. Yeah. It's a scream because she's actually scared. It's a it's it's believable, mm. but I I agree with you, Todd. In that the the scream and the power of crawl that she does at the end of episode one is is one of the worst screams ever in Doctor. <laughs> Mary's not a screamer. She's no. Well, that's the point of her. You yeah. know, it's... Ah! <laughs> ah! <laughs> that's the end of the power of crawl. Part one. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Why are we watching the power of crawl? <laughs> L- little um, little. Do you know that that's actually Tom screaming? <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I still, like, in this day and age, they could have got away with, um, like, if it was done now, Tom could have been, like, sort of see-through or some sort of effect to make yeah, it yeah. seem... But back then, it would he would have physically had to have been there. So I kind of understand they didn't want to see the Doctor doing damage to his mm-hmm. companion. But, um, you know, I have to give it to Romana here. She hangs onto this cliff edge like, you know, there's no tomorrow. Mm. If anybody's actually seen... Um, the new Wonder Woman movie, it, it reminds me of, of a moment in, in Wonder Woman where, but I'll just say nothing more. No, don't spoil it. Thank you, I've not seen, seen it, it yet. No. <laughs> I'm hoping yes, to... It's a very good film, yeah. apart from the last 15 minutes. I'm hoping to go see it tomorrow, but um, it's it's a battle of wills. I want to see Wonder Woman first and Rod wants to see The Mummy first. Oh, watch The Mummy oh. first because then you can build to Wonder Woman because <laughs> it's actually watch, worth watching. Leonard, <laughs> I don't like this. Only just now, Martha. Like, you know, well, it was, it was she was chicken in the first episode, you know. <laughs> she was expressing reservations earlier, wasn't she? Or uh, I think that that's her one character note is that she's actually like, yeah, she realizes this is all really rather silly. And, yeah, yeah, uh, she she was just in it for the shiny cloaks, and now they're trying to cut this the, guy's throat. The you space know. druids, <laughs> the space druids. It, 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 <laughs> it is kind of weird. It, it's some. Um, 
You know what? I think it's the same kind of material they use for front axial projection. That's what I was thinking. You know, when they shine a light into it. So goodness knows why they don't. Oh, the CSA's not of, great thing. Yeah, and, and of course, you know, at the same time this was on as a kid, when I was a kid, Postcards from the Edge was broadcast on television. So there's that scene where... Um, is it Meryl Streep in Postcards of the Edge or Glenn Close? Meryl, Meryl Streep is hanging off the side of a building and director calls cut and she just sort of shrugs and lifts her hands. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've always found that scene vaguely comical. <laughs> that being said, the, the actual um, cliffhanger where she falls off is, much like Dragonfire last week, one of the moments I could not watch as a kid and I had to leave the room. That's great. So <laughs> For here, different reasons from Dragonfly. <laughs> so here, is it day for night filming? Well, that's the oh, studio. Oh, I know so, that, yeah. but the but shop on is... On location, yeah. yes, yeah. it's day for night. I really like it. It's like dusk. I really like the day for night. It's, it's, yeah. And they have that establishing shot of it being dusk. It's, yeah. it's like, you know, it's, it, it establishes <laughs> it's just, just after the sun has fallen. So, <laughs> what, are you what are you doing? doing? Well, I've just tied myself to a rock. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, that's the thing. She's an academic. She's seen all of this yeah, before. That's right. <laughs> How did you manage that, Doctor? <laughs> you know, it, I reckon if, if Beatrix was still alive, and of course she was what, in her 60s here, I think, possibly 70s. I or reckon even if, 80s. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I reckon yeah. if Beatrix was still alive, Big Finish would have had her back by yeah. now to work with Tom. Because, with her own spin-off series. Well, the, even, to, even just work with Tom, because, I mean, Tom talks on the commentary that he adored her, of course. Right. Yeah, of course. Um, oh, dear. Yes, grit your teeth, because, Mary. <laughs> because, because I kind of like in that scene, yes, she's worried she's hanging on the side of the cliff, but also, oh, this is getting terribly boring now. <laughs> Tedious, Brendan, one might say. Tiresome. Oh. <laughs> she's, uh, she's rather attractive. Oh, she's lost on the moor. Yeah. Um, oh. James has just found a, a glamour shot of Beryl Reed. I'm guessing from the 40s. Beryl Reed? Beatrix Lehman. All our fabulous older women in Doctor Who wow. roll into one. She looks like Greta Garbo. Oh, yeah, she looks fantastic, doesn't she? <laughs> See, shoes are important, people. So I was just trying to find out what her age was. She died in, 19, in July 1979. Oh, so God. Only the following a year. A year after this. Yeah. Mm. Is and this so the last thing? He, yeah, maybe. He she would have been about 75 then. Amelia, you're a genius. Oh. <laughs> so she was 75. Yeah. I like. I do like the way David Fisher uses K9 in his story. It's like, mm. you know, it's not. he's not necessarily with them here, but then he's called into action. Yeah. yeah. Um, Even and, the way that he, I know this is controversial on the podcast, but the way that he writes him out of the leisure hive, I actually quite like. Mm. Well, um, also, you have to remember with the Leisure Hive, that was very heavily rewritten to suit the new production team as well. So, Who by? Um, by, uh, by David Fisher, but also by a patron of the podcast, Christopher Hamilton Bidme. <laughs> a talented man who should have been script editor for a lot longer. Well, we were talking to him <laughs> he about with that. Us on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he said that we should uh, get a Kickstarter happening uh, and raise enough money for him to hop into the TARDIS, go back in time and do it. And uh, I'd like to support that. So uh, we'll put a link in the show notes to the Kickstarter page. I no, think, we won't. <laughs> I think what also helps with the day for night filming here is they try not to show the sky because that's yeah. the giveaway in day for night filming. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, yeah, that's what makes it more effective. Um, and getting back to what you were saying, Todd, about the way David Fisher uses K9. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm laughing because it's always like, yeah. right, let's get on the railway yeah, track. Direction. 
He's not getting direction. He's doing a 15 point turn. Here we go. Here we go. And, and onto the duckboards. <laughs> We're about to go. It's, <laughs> it's such a terrible prop, isn't it? <laughs> but uh, oh, David, David Fisher is very conscious to not just to use K9 as a gun. Yeah. You know, he tracks Romana here, he tracks Romana in the androids of Tara. Um, he's familiar with boats. He knows nothing about tennis. But he, he Not does anymore. He does he does know all about hyperspace and how to explain yeah. it. I mean, who does understand the hyperspace? <laughs> I do shut up. <laughs> I'm not giving you a second chance. Oh, I love Romana. I uh... There was a rope built into his scarf for the scene. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it's behind the scarf. Because, <laughs> you know, by this point, the scarf is horribly moth-eaten and patched up and, and what have you. You can pause the DVDs at certain points, and he has little um, tartan. Oh, bad, bad, bad yeah, shot. This, yeah, this is a bad... Um, and it's kind of the thing of... And it's it's still the same tracking down um, archive footage. Um at this point, it would have been even harder. He would have just, Daryl Blake would have just sent him for archive footage of, you know, a Twilight skyline. Yeah. And if this is what they sent back to him. That's what he got. That's what he got. You did not have time to then do it, which is why he frames the setting sun behind the actor's heads as much as possible right. to well, try and disguise it. You can, you can see that he's, tr- like, trying to use it as little as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, um. It's uh, from this story and several shots of Tom without his scarf that uh, Daypole had their image references. Oh, really? <laughs> to make their Tom Baker action figure, which is why it doesn't come with a scarf, because they weren't sent photos of him with a scarf. And who knew that Tom Baker's doctor wore a scarf? <laughs> well, Daypole. And I, I actually love this yeah, outfit this is on much better. I just yeah. love it. I think it's her best hair, actually. Oh, I was about to say, I love her hair down. Oh. I, I have to say, I think my favourite hairstyle for this season is actually from the Armageddon Factor. Oh, oh okay. that's pretty drumming too. Good, but yeah. I love this as a sort of um, day-to-day outfit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the frock. And there's there's kind of a green petticoat under it, which you get a bit of a flash of occasionally. Um, you know, just as a, just as a um, contrasting colour, it's lovely. Uh, this is another great scene of comedy. <laughs> <laughs> and some fabulous acting there from Mary. Look at her. <laughs> you can tell exactly what she's thinking. I um, <laughs> I, I recently um, re-listened to The Auntie Matter, which is the first Mary Tam Big Finish Tom story. And it, w- it was released posthumously. And in the special features, um, David Richardson, the producer, says, you know, Mary wasn't well she, when she was recording these, but she was determined to do the seven two-parters. And that's interspersed with a lovely interview from Mary herself talking about how much she loves Doctor Who. Right. So, um, She's that, so good in those audios. Those yeah, audios are fantastic. Yeah. yeah, I actually don't have that first one. I've got all the rest, but I've got to listen to it. See, and this is just wonderful. The framing of all of these actors, the Doctor and Romana and K-9 and now these two, mm. uh, I reckon he's doing a great job. He puts, yeah, he puts such thought into his composition of shots, which wasn't always a priority for Doctor Who directors because they're working on multicam. Yeah, um, <laughs> with a very small budget. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just join. Yeah. Oh, what's that, darling? <laughs> What's that? Actually, that, that, that's what I, I would like to answer that, but I'm not allowed to because there's not supposed to be an innuendo with this podcast. <laughs> oh, dear, I didn't think of it that way ever. Is that what Vivian was after? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, you can use it to shine your shoes. 
<laughs> Vivian, not Sophie. Does it peel potatoes and things? It yes, does. Right. <laughs> Look, I think it's, it's, it's a sonic potato yeah, peeler. It's so clever. That, that shot again. Yeah, you can see all their faces, oh. can't you, Todd? And everyone's acting and everyone's reacting. It's wonderful. But also, to the script, like, the Doctor knows there's something wrong and he knows that it's not um, Amelia. Like, mm. he suspects Vivian, but without really giving the game away. Yeah, yeah. Come on, girls. I, I think David Fisher is like an unsung hero of the... Um, of the Williams era. Mm. And and you know what, especially of women. Oh, look at her. Mm. Like even even the next story, which only has one speaking female character aside from Romana, Madame Lamia is a really well drawn yeah. character and a tragic character. Goddess <laughs> 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 of mercy. <laughs> She's not happy. Goodness <laughs> me. It's not your week. <laughs> Have mercy on us. Stop acting. <laughs> oh my god. I don't think we agreed with uh, about this, did we, Brendan? But these giant glowing fiberglass turds are ridiculous. I like them. I, I love think they're them. fantastic. <laughs> I want I want these to come back. I actually want them to be able to levitate, like, and actually get into second floors. Yeah. So I actually do want um, the ogre back. If, if and they to can. horrifically drain people's life energy. Yeah. yeah. If they if they um, did come back, I would like them to appear as per David Fisher's original idea, which is they are stones which then morph into bipedal rock people. Yeah, see, that would have been cool, but yeah. we're too cheap to do yeah. that. And you know you know what? I think that for the extra amount of money it would have cost, this is still effective. Oh, my God. You know, and you've got to decide where you're spending the money. I love how he covers canine's eyes so he doesn't see yeah. <laughs> But it also draws your attention away from that body that's yeah, there. Yeah, which yeah. You, oh, and kids. there's blood and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, he's... He's really actually quite well contorted himself into what looks like a slightly unnatural angle. Yeah. She's, um, she, she, um, oh, I think it's Zanium. God, <laughs> heaven help us. Um, yeah, real. she's got a bit of a temper on her, like, you yeah. know, failure and... Mm. It's real macanite, you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> worth a lot of grotsets. He just gave canine a helping hand, as you do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and yep, position K9 for the next shot. You know, if, if, <laughs> if there wasn't a recording break there, I do wonder if a stagehand quickly runs in and moves K9 like two extra feet. <laughs> I think it just looks like um, Harrison Chase's place after one of his really more extravagant parties, don't you? <laughs> yeah, so after he's been playing all night in his green <laughs> cathedral. Someone ate a cucumber and it just wasn't pretty after that. <laughs> next thing he'll be saying, like, you know, we'll see some sort of comedy um, movie with the dead body and Harrison and his butler and Scorby <laughs> yeah. having to, to <laughs> cart it around. Weekend with DeFreeze. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. You know, I, found, I actually found those things really scary. Yeah. You know, um, as a kid, it's, the, the stones, like, I really did. I think it's also the heartbeat sound. Yeah, I think the sound is helping quite well. Yeah, because because it's a primeval sound. You know, it's yeah. the same reason that most people, when they hear a baby crying, will feel uneasy and feel distressed because we're genetically hardwired. Yeah, programmed for, for it. Yeah, um, and you know, so also low sounds. Yes, it sounds like a heartbeat, but it also sounds like an animal growling. 
Mm. Like yeah. anonymous <gasps> Sausage sandwiches. <laughs> I used that in a Doctor Who charades thing once as, <laughs> as an object. It was Vivian Faye sausage sandwiches. I love this. I love sausage sandwiches. Yeah, that's what we should have called the podcast. Mm. Really. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing better than a sausage sandwich is a curried sausage. Um, Don't I, sound like a euphemism. It wasn't. It wasn't. And I think during this scene for sausage sandwiches, we should give a shout out to friend of the podcast, who were Pete on Twitter who is a massive fan of The Stones of Blood. I think it may actually be his favourite Doctor Who story. He's a man of uh, rare taste. Mm. Good he, taste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he actually has this great, it's almost a reaction gif coming up from this scene where um, Vivian gives, kind of gives Romana side-eye about her theories. I'll point it out when we get there, which shot. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I love the fact that while the Doctor's off getting knocked out, it's the three women who are working on the mystery. And not talking about him. Yeah. And again, the companion is going. Oh, except for that fool. Fool Edward Morgan. Wonderful <laughs> <laughs> line. And Henry VIII coming oh. up. <laughs> but it, the fact that Romana is investigating, again, which she'll do next week as well in yeah. another David Fisher script, is just oh, delightful. Mm. What else did he do? He did Leisure Hive. Did he, uh, what did Leisure he do the following year? Preach from the Pit. Oh, from the see, pit. that's great as well. Uh, it's this shot. <laughs> 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 Oh, I think I need to make that into a gif. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so he does. This is his first Doctor Who story. Yeah. And then he was very quickly asked to write Androids of Tara, which was a replacement script for another story that fell through. Uh, he then. He did write a, um, a plot outline for what became City of Death. I, think he did, I thought he did more than that. I thought he actually did a script and then they had to rewrote it without oh, the may, casino. May, maybe I'm wrong. Mm. Maybe he did do a full script. Um, and he did Creature from the Pit and then, of course, he did uh, The Leisure Hive. Which, yeah, was yeah. had all the jokes taken out. Yeah. 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 You know, I think you know he did do a script for Christopher Bidmead who then wrote it again. So there was a script he did for Graham Williams, then a version he did for Bidmead and J&T, which changed before it made it to screen again. I think Bidmead has actually said that it was a mistake to take all of the jokes or quite so many of the jokes out of Fisher's script. But that's only because it was the first one yeah, and they were yeah. reacting against that. So. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, even so, it's still got humour. Like, Leisure Hive still has humour in it. I think it's spectacular. Yeah. I like it a lot. Um, yeah, Paul, um, Paul Lovett, Bickford, though, and the BBC's understandable policy on... <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Yes, I'll come back to that. Hooray! <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Who in America is getting arrested for carrying an offensive weapon, for God's sake? <laughs> it was the New 1970s. York. Well, I so. okay, I was, I was talking about a friend of mine before we started recording. Um, she's a lady in my wrestling club and um, maybe going to the Commonwealth Games. She grew up in Australia and America. Right. And because she has um, jiu-jitsu training and several other forms of martial arts, if she is tacked in America and defends herself, she can be countersued for assaulting someone with a dangerous weapon. Woohoo. If if you have that she kind of training the, and then the She is the dangerous weapon. Yeah, well, actually, you know what? Yes, I have never won I've never won, I've never pinned her. I've never won a wrestling bout against her. She's amazing. Now, all of this uh bits and pieces and shredded paper. Yeah. It's a bit you know, It's a bit much. Unconvincing. 
I, I I was really disturbed by this as a kid because, of course, I loved K9. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, it's practically K9 having his guts spilled out. Oh, I know. And this, where he says, you know, leave me, I'm... Uh, and then they cut... Doesn't... Cannibalize me for spare yeah, parts. Yeah, yeah. And then they walk away and kind of talk about, you know, putting him to sleep and things. Yeah, and so. yeah. Oh, here we go. Like, It'll be all right, listeners, by the way. Yeah. Just uh, And you can, you can tell it's the um, the empty prop canine because he's got the yellow tartan collar, uh, whereas the real canine has the red and green tartan collar. I don't know why they did two different ones. If it was just a matter of on the studio floor, we need to make sure we grab the right one. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so whenever you see anyone lugging canine around, it's usually the um, the yellow one. I like these little tits they have. Yeah, the little technical stuff, which never sounds stupid. It's never like a yeah. an 80s style uh, techno babble thing. But I like how they sort of look off the camera to one side and like they're still talking to each other. Like it's, yeah. it's yes. Tom also seems to be aware in this scene that his hair's getting slightly too long because he's had to push it out of his eyes twice. <laughs> Mind you, it's not as bad as when Colin Baker gets long hair. Or is he just doing the hair flip? <laughs> he's whipping his hair back and forth. There we go again. Mm. Creature. Yes. So my recent sort of blood tests actually show that I'm actually a little bit low on globulin. So I did explain to the doctor that I wasn't so worried about that because it it would make me less vulnerable to it. That's right. They'd go for they'd go for Tom probably. Maybe maybe we should give you some. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really unimpressed by these comments. I'm still getting over the Twitter comments from yesterday. (laughs) Oh, here she is. This is like hilarious, darling. Oh, is that Martha? Oh, it's. Yeah, yeah, that's Martha oh, and DeFries. Lord. Um, and the script specifies, and you can kind of make it out, that um, pretty much their heads are smashed. Yeah. I, was, I was about to yeah. say, if you're globally insufficient, does that make you one of the stones of blood and, and we can't touch you? Yeah, well, it may in fact be unwise for you this to is, touch this is, me. This is why we've never been allowed to touch me. But I do, yeah. love, the, <laughs> I do love the fact, James, that... Um, like, she has to get dressed up in all this par- paraphernalia just to do her little ceremony. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the stones yeah, know who she is. <laughs> yeah. but but we still have to put this just, on. Despite the fact that oh, there's really? no one around. Yeah. There's only two dead people in some ogre. But you know what it is? It's the whole Midsummer Murders thing of if you come across someone in a stone circle and they're just dressed in jeans and a T-shirt, you're going to say, what are you doing here? If you come across someone in a stone circle and they're dressed in some ridiculous <laughs> Queen of the May outfit, run! you're just like, you're run. oh, it's a local festival. <laughs> <laughs> of death. It's the festival It's the festival of the Bergeracs or something, you know. There is a trope, isn't there, that you you go off and you get dressed up in your evil outfit. You know, like uh, Barusa does that in Five Doctors. He goes off, puts his evil gloves on, moves some people around. Then his, gets, his coronet of bastard. coronet of Rassilon. And, uh, and of course, um, Sir Eric Roberts. Yeah, uh, dressing who, for the occasion. I love that outfit. <laughs> I, I think in Assassin, too, Caroline Holdaway in, in Assassin, uh, uh, who gets dressed up? Who gets fabulous makeup and stuff done, and then uh, and does her hair, and then menaces Avon. <laughs> I I really love this the fact that you're in an old house and he links the raven and the crow, and then you're waiting for the secret. You're yeah. waiting for the secret room or the, yeah. the thing to move. Like I actually think that looks really great. Oh, I yeah, I, I I want that fireplace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I I saw a really bittersweet um, um, animation during the week. It's just um, 
Robin leaning over the bust of Shakespeare, just constantly opening the bat doors to the bat poles and closing it again. I, I lo- saw that too. I just mm. love her enthusiasm <laughs> and her little looks, you know. And, of course- and now here we've got whatever that is, which looks like it's a beater out of an electric, <laughs> you know, beater where your mother makes the frosting for a cake. But, and, and this is just a box or, of flashing lights. Or where I do. But she just makes it so convincing and plugs in a few little audio. Yeah, yeah that's right. Is that an audio, audio in or an audio out? <laughs> oh, yes. And, and, yeah, she's just quite pleased with herself. Yeah, he's fine. I'm going outside. <laughs> is that him for this story? Does he come back? No, I, he comes back. I okay. do love how that shot's slightly higher than usual. Like the, they've got the camera up on a... Yeah, I think they I think they have a crane because they used it earlier in DeFreeze's house mm. as well. What other Doctor Who's did this guy direct? Because I'm really liking his direction. I believe this is his only one. Who Which is a criminal. Show. Yeah, Daryl Blake. He's not flashy, is he? Like, he's no um, Camfield or anything. He's mm. not um, but, do, doing anything sort of particularly special but or arty. It's just super, super competent. He, mm. But he's thinking about the framing and how to make it. Yeah. 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 And, I mean, this is fabulous. Like, I just love this in the script. That, it's a great know. reveal, too. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's super smart. It was set up. We've forgotten it. As a, but as a kid, it's like you always suspected her, you know, and 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 you thought it could be, you know, she's involved and that sort of thing. So it's that thing where, as the audience, you then feel like, oh, yes, I knew it. And yeah. so it's positive reinforcement, you know. And I just love the stories about her too. You know, like she's from different eras. She comes over from Brazil. She kills her husband. You know, she's uh, she's really just terrific. That's a great scene and a great reveal. And now we're back in studio for. Oh, I love this. Oh, shall we go? Like again, a lovely. I love the shots of this. And now, da da. Oh yes, and I'm still wearing my um. Yes, but Romana seems not to notice because it's kind of out of shot. Shall we see? see? Actually, (laughs) Romana is the perfect companion for that to happen to because to Romana, she knows nothing about Earth culture. Yeah, it's great. This is just evening wear. That's an interesting thing how Romana's down and she's sitting like a statue. I mean, obviously that's limitation of the technology at the time, but you know Romana's now... When who knows? Who knows? Disintegrated, probably. Oh, Mary Tam. And that and that and that wasn't even the original cliffhanger. Of course, the original what cliffhanger was: was um, you should recognise that that face. It's your friend, Miss Faye. And then an ogre was going to come up behind them, but um, the episode was under running by about thirty seconds. So we get that okay. scene. I like that that kind of cliffhanger though, where it's a new bit of information that's yeah, revealed. Yeah. A one-two sort of punch. Yeah, yeah. Um, it would have been better if it had been the original. Yeah. Mm. Um, uh, I've been reading the new adventures each day. I'm still very early on. I'm currently in, at time of recording, I'm currently in Time Worm. Uh, but by the time this goes <laughs> out. <laughs> um, at least you're not in Cat's Cradle. Okay. <laughs> uh, but I re- um, yeah. I'm reading uh, Time Worm Revelation by Paul Cornell, and it's amazing. But I just finished Time Worm Apocalypse by Nigel Robinson, which is middling. And one of the problems I raise in it is you have to wait until the last 20% of the book to get any answers. Whereas yeah. here we get an, we get you, an answer. You, at you, drip, you drip fed them. Exactly. Exactly. And I said, you know, that's a, that's a, that's an example of good Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. It's a big failing of so, the new adventures that they've, 
they try to be clever. Mm. Um, sometimes they out-clever themselves. Yeah, and they just end up being tiresome, I think. It makes it boring. Like you're yeah, waiting for exactly. answers and you don't get them yeah. until too late in the thing you don't care. Oh, that's right. You've forgotten the questions by then. Yeah. yeah. Oh, look, so, has there something so, going on? So, yes, you're right. Sausage Blake sandwich convention. Let's go and have a look. But he did do a Doom Watch mm-hmm. and Ace of Wands. Oh. I love how she sort of just prances and in Paul and Temple. Throws, her, throws her and then sort of and the prances people. to get her staff. Oh, boy. And Crossroads. The director did Crossroads. Wow. And some episodes of Corrie. He's on, he's on the commentary for this as well mm. with uh, with Mary and, and, Tom, and Tom's on a separate and triangle. <laughs> I, oh I, yeah, so I just love it. it was sorry. It wasn't that the episode was, the previous episode was underrunning; it was overrunning. So they had to move this shot. That's oh, what it okay. was. Yeah, because um, this is quite quite a lengthy scene that we build up to, but it's why we get a sort of weird cut coming up. This. It, uh, this weird cut, it was to cut the fact that this was two separate shots. It wasn't right, a continuous okay. shot. Um, oh, dear. Really, Brendan? Oh, and there's an arm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and there's so, and you could also briefly see the person behind it pushing out. <laughs> so there was just a bloke standing in the archway. Oh, dear. Oh, Maybe that's someone at eight earlier that was dragging along, slowly sucking the life energy out of. Good headcanon there, yes. James. <laughs> yes. Uh, this is also one of the few Doctor Who stories of the 70s and 80s where Dick Mills doesn't do the special sound. This is Liz Parker, oh. who, of course, would do much of the special sound for Blake Seven. Yeah. Well, so it's women all round. Mm. Apart from the director yeah. and the producer. And the star. And the star. And Mr. DeFreeze. And K-9. Yeah. And the, 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 the jury's still out on Mr. DeFreeze. The production. And the Megara. The, <laughs> the, the Megara women? No. No, no. no. Are they Michael Wisher? Are they? No. no <laughs> oh, this is fantastic. <laughs> oh, yes. Bless her. Look at this. I want her to be a companion. Yeah. <laughs> let's have a whole series where her and the Doctor go on adventures in the name of science. <laughs> she's, she's, she's some, she's, Look at Tom. <laughs> she's kind of proto-Maggie um, Stables. Yeah. Yes. She? Yeah. I, th- I think when they, were, when they were writing in Evelyn, they very much had Amelia Rumford and Amelia Ducat in mind. Mm-hmm. Well, and it works with Colin for the same reason it works with Tom, you know. Because <laughs> he's so pompous and he needs to be brought down yeah, a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Don't Blake also do EastEnders? Oh, and it's, oh, here we go. This is, mm. I think this is a little bit twin. Embarrassing. Yeah. The music is, is a <laughs> bit on the nose. But I at think. least she's trying to sell it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, and, that, and that line is just perfect. And the ogre's on the canine track. It's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. They look ridiculous. Hold, quick, on hold up those go. twigs. Hold up those twigs. We need to Bye. make it look like it's got some weight behind it. Oh, dear. It's like when one of the goodies falls off a cliff, isn't it? <laughs> but that's an interesting shot, that one. Like, That's and quite good. That was taken wholesale from uh, a film. And unfortunately, oh, okay. I did have it written down. And I can't find my notes. But yes, it in... was it the Muppet Babies. Yes, it was the Muppet Babies. Brilliant. Um, was it? Yeah, no. but it. it <laughs> Meanwhile, it, it, Monty, Monty look, Python look, and the Stones of Blood. The stuff at the same rate as the fire. <laughs> Come on, what are you doing, Susan? For God's sake, keep it pointed. He's got a wide angle. Oh, here we go. 
No, she shouldn't be holding the staff in front of her face. Oh, she's it's like super evil now. <gasps> I just remembered. Roger Moore eyebrows, yes? Yes. <laughs> I've got Romano. Really? Yeah, great villain delivery. There are very, very few female villains in the Tom Baker era, and she would have to be really well and truly one of the best. You see, I quite like the nurse from the previous She's story. She's great. And I really like um, Adrasta. Yep, another David Fisher yep. script. Adrasta's fabulous, actually. Really, really good. Uh, who else do we have? Hilda Winters. Um, uh, yeah, uh, as villains, yeah, Hilda Winters, uh, kind of Madeline Agrissi from uh, Space Pirates. Oh, but Tom, I mean, Tom she, Baker era. In the Tom Baker oh, era. Oh, just though. in the Tom Baker era. Um, Eldrad. Beware yeah, the yeah, Ogre. Yeah. yeah. Um, Not very many. No, no, there really isn't. Certainly. I mean, there are hardly any women in the Hinchcliffe era. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I suppose you could say the Countess Scarlioni. No. She's a dupe. A very glamorous and spectacular, but she doesn't... The, king, the queen in um, State of Decay. Oh, yeah. oh yes, Camilla, yeah. yeah. Of course. Lexa is a bit of a villain. No, she's lovely. We love Lexa. She's just the intransigent, intransigent <laughs> base, base commander. commander. Yes. Well, the chaplain. The intransigent <laughs> base chaplain. <laughs> Can't imagine Father Mulcahy acting like that. <laughs> So this is where the story takes a really weird turn because mm. you do expect it to be like Image of the Fender or like the way we imagine all those Hinchcliffe stories to be um, and it goes into, like, ludicrously fun science fiction. I, I, I love the twist. Do you know, I'm actually surprised by that because um, I love it as well, but I would have guessed before I knew that you might have thought it too silly. I... That's very interesting that you have that impression of me. I don't know. I, it's just something that I've always liked about this story. I really like the Megara and their and their silly little talk and trial and everything like that, yeah. which which of course you know is coming up. Yeah. But but it is kind. Of, it is it is intercut with this device and mm. and with a tea towel on it and to Amelia having to send off the ogre with K nine. So there's there's other stuff going on. Yeah. I, if it had just been like in the ship for the rest of it, a bit like when like in the face of evil when they go into the city of yeah. those people where it all just goes horribly wrong. Perhaps not, but I really do like really do. Oh, this sound effect. Oh, it's bad. Oh, I like it. And it coincides with him taking the detail <laughs> oh, off. Dear. Well. Mm. Okay. If, if, if we're going to be casting Burboid-like aspersions on the protuberance of this thing... I, I'm not allowed to say anything. If that's what... If, <laughs> if, okay, listener, okay, dear listeners, if yours looks like that, see a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Which it's a, bit, it's a bit vividly red, isn't it? Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, I, I love... Um, uh, someone has described... This scene as canine throwing shade. <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. is. I do. Oh, shut up, canine. So nicely done. Yeah. And again, you've got canine framed in between the two of them there. So everyone's face is on screen. But just the questions she, she asks and um, his explanations, and, 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 you, and you feel a bit like that, I think, as a viewer. Like you accept it, but it's sort of like, you know. 
I also like, too, that she's asking questions not because she's stupid, but because this isn't her area. Mm. Yeah, she has know. an inquiring mind. Yeah, 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 and she knows stuff about uh, relativity, even though she's not a physicist. Mm, mm. Um, you know, like all of that stuff's fun. So she's fun and smart and curious and yes. is asking mm. exposition you questions. You don't have to be a character who has no educational knowledge yeah. to ask the right questions to move on the plot. Yeah. Yeah, you don't right. have to be stupid. Yeah. Mm. And so it serves to yeah. characterise her and her funny dismissive line about physics. This is this. Like, it's really, all that stuff about academia is just <laughs> tremendous. Yeah. I think there's a real, uh, I don't know, was it, is it synergy between the script editor Anthony Reid and David Fisher? I just think they work really well together. Mm. Yeah, well, um, the impression you get watching the various making ofs is that Anthony Reid just seemed to get on with everyone, you know, and he was, he was, he seems to be very much someone who sort of gave the writers their head and, you know, just communicated with them. He comes across as very personable in mm. interviews, doesn't he? Yeah. Whereas, you know, even, even Douglas Adams next year, you kind of get the impression that he rewrote a lot himself, which the writers didn't object to. Yeah, I love that <laughs> in a time. time. <laughs> um, and now, of course, uh, in the late 80s, there was a, a science fiction film called Inner Space. <laughs> so, you know, again, that was just something that my my childish mind sort of mashed together. Mashed together. In, mm. Inner Space sort of being a comedic version of Fantastic Voyage. And, uh, we would have been watching this in the late 80s, early yeah. 90s, when it was constantly repeated on the ABC. Yes. <laughs> Some of us a bit earlier. Yeah, I think I remember (laughs) seeing it the first time it aired on Australian television, which was so exciting. Like, we had no idea of how it would work. Actually, that's quite true because, like, we'd had the repeats and and I remember Sarah leaving and then Leela leaving and then that happened and then suddenly we had Romana. Yeah. And, and, yeah. I think I think I was definitely aware that this was new when I watched it. She... And I certainly remember the beginning of season 17 as well. But I remember ringing my friend, you know, after the first episode of Reboss Operation and going, oh, I wonder whether they'll find a segment of the key to time next week because <laughs> I didn't know that it was going to be six stories, yeah. each one about a segment of the key. The other thing I really like about this is that there are cuts from, from like, her house, they're back here. And when and even when they're running away from the ogre, they're in the mansion and then they're suddenly at the cliff. Like, it's very yeah, much new-style sort of storytelling. It gives a sense than, of energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah rather yeah. than we're going to follow them being chased all the way. It's just yeah. suddenly boom, yeah, boom. like mm. it's like dashing from one place to another, but you're not actually showing the dash. Moves the story yeah, on. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, years ago I was thinking to myself, what makes what makes so, soap operas so different to regular dramas? And I figured out what it was, and this is especially true of American soaps. It's less true of British soaps and Australian soaps, but especially American soaps. Um, you don't get that. You, you'll cut away from family A to family B, but then when you cut away to cut back to family A, they'll recap their previous conversation yeah. before continuing. Nothing's happened off screen. Yeah. And I think that's where good drama succeeds, where you, know, you cut out the boring bits. I think soap opera has to work uh, b- b- for an audience that isn't paying attention or isn't tuning in every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it needs or to is, constant is doing recap. the washing it, yeah, like whilst yeah. watching it. That's so good, just her reaction to that thing exploding. In. 
you know? I'm also struck by how long Romana's being kept off screen. Oh, in this episode, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and she's, well, she's really selling the, oh, my friend is actually evil and, <laughs> <laughs> and, and has kidnapped your friend. Like, she's really worried. Yeah. It's like, what the... <laughs> oh. Okay, one minute twenty. I'll put a play <laughs> there. One hour twenty. You're doing so well. I know, I know. I forgot this is not Bond Finger. <laughs> uh, Bond Finger is the one with the champagne. Right? Yeah. We're, yeah. And I'm not even drunk. It's, yeah, it, it's like 11.30am. We're not drinking yet. But Nathan, um, you're right. Romani is missing for a, a long time in this episode. Yeah, yeah. I think that's good. I think that's really good. But you don't necessarily always feel like she's missing because you've got Amelia there and Romana's been doing the investigating. Now that you've mentioned it, yes, obviously. Mm. But um, why does he do that? Why does he have to spin like that? Yeah, he thinks he's being funny. Well, you know what? I think he's probably said to Daryl, hey, Daryl, what is this effect going to look like? Well, it's going to look like a spiral. Oh, well, how about I spin in the spiral? And and the director's obviously said okay. Well, yeah, no. Yes, yes, I do agree, but I'm just saying, like, you know. (laughs) Didn't really come off. Um. Something you were saying earlier about about the structure, Nathan. You know, we go from this being um, our Hinchcliffe style horror to this strange kind of spacey thing. Before we started recording, listeners, uh, last week as we record was um, Empress of Mars, the episode, yeah. and now she's gone and painted herself silver, <laughs> like you do. And Nathan and I were discussing whether ah. it might have been better as a two parter. And Nathan brought up the interesting point that in the new series, the two parters work best when the two episodes are very different from each other, and that's what happens here. Yeah. In new series terms, episodes one and two would be the first part, which is the horror style story. And then episode two, we get this <laughs> science fiction explanation with the fake skeleton and him looking really guilty. <laughs> it does. It does kind of kick the pace up the, yeah. the bar. Oh, well. how yeah. hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I, managed, I managed to censor uh, myself that time. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's all right. D- don't go on about it. <laughs> oh, dear. Kral android with big lips, yeah. <laughs> Now, I find it, I do find it strange here that they talk about hyperspace being an impossibility where we've had hyperspace in the show before, but maybe this is a different kind of hyperspace. Or a different script editor. Right? <laughs> yeah, well, right. exactly. But, you know, so, something, something like that. You know, they, they never say something like, oh, warp drive doesn't exist because warp drive is used on the show a couple of times. Looks in- like the Sylvester McCoy title sequence in the background there. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, love this. Oh. Kid. Loved it. And to be fair, I still can't draw on a computer like that, so, you know. No, I, I, can't, I mean, I really I mean you know, they're using the technology at the time and, and, it, and it helps you to understand where it is and, yeah. and that sort of thing. It's, it's effective. Now, I should, I should mention now, because at the time of recording Season 24, I wasn't sure if we were going to do this, um, our new Flight Through Entirety Sylvester McCoy era logo was designed by my friend Anthony Wells of Pro Bono Publico design and yeah he did an amazing job so this is my this is my first mention of that of course it's been in the show notes for several weeks now <laughs> that's right you'll have seen it yeah in fact <laughs> you'll have seen it but you know i wanted to give a verbal mention i can attest to that brendan showed it to me the other day and the logo <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear me. Uh, now this ship is, is terrible Made of Space 1999 Eagle commercial model kits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and at the back there, microphones. Yep. 
like the ones we're using now, <laughs> yeah. actually. It's terrible, isn't it? And the problem is that thing where the model is so small that you can't shoot it close up and so it just looks small. I think the main problem is, um, you know, it's shot on video and then done on green screen, so there's no depth of field. No, that doesn't help either. Yeah, I think... I, I don't under- know why I- they never shoot these things from below either. That would help too, wouldn't it? Um. I they you know what they did in uh, the invasion of time the Varden ship was always shot was almost always shot from below yeah uh, or for the film shots there are a few video shots of it uh, but yeah you know I understand Daryl Blake here is trying to avoid any filming as yeah. a cost saving measure yeah. and I suppose there are so few shots of the ship you can get away with it and we did get that wonderful shot earlier with the Doctor walking through the window and you see him from the outside yeah which would have been more difficult to achieve on film for a Doctor Who budget. But, yeah, it is a shame because I, d- I don't think the model's at fault. I think the way you shoot it is, like, if you look at the 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 Empress next year, the Empress and the Hecate, yeah. those are really good-looking models, but they look so terrible on video. Yeah. And maybe, even the Hyperion 3 looks terrible, doesn't it, many years later? Maybe they should re-release all these things with... Um... CG effects. <laughs> like a different option. <laughs> now, do, do you remember Ark in Space? No. Can I just say <laughs> yeah. that as a kid... <gasps> Burgeoning Awakenings? Higher. <laughs> when this gentleman came out of the tent, it, I always loved this scene. <laughs> I never quite understood yes. why. Until yes. many years later. Yes. Yeah, that's right. And, of course... Um, yeah, look at him. Yes, he's uh, well fit. Goodness. <laughs> He's, skinny, he's, he's in a rather seventies hairless kind of way. Yeah. Yes, but James, I am from the seventies. So, you know. <laughs> Pat, Pat, and of course, Pat making her second appearance in two weeks is Sharon Taylor, who yes. we saw last week. As uh, as you are listening, dear listener, as um, oh. uh, Stella's mum in Dragonfire. Oh God, she was awful. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. Yeah. did you not know that? Oh no, 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 no! I think we pointed that out when we were doing the um. Live tweet. Yeah. The live tweets, yeah. and I didn't make the connection. I mean, I mean, this is just like as a child, I actually had nightmares about this. Oh, yeah, me too. Oh, yes. Like, it's, no, totally. it's really, really horrific. You know what? I said at the time, he looks like a tomorrow person. <laughs> I, I don't do, care. He looks I good. do think that Graham Williams, when he does horror, actually does it better than Hinchcliffe because you, you get the these two people who we haven't seen <gasps> before. Obviously, we won't see them again, but you, you're mm, affected by their deaths. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're normal people. In fact, you know, there's a lot of times when Doctor Who opens with two people who'll get killed by the monster, you know, think um, Attack of the Cybermen. Yeah, for all all of any other criticisms of that story, that opening scene is incredibly effective. Yeah, whereas here, they're they're normal people, do you know what I mean? And they're, you know, talking about the pub the night before. Mm. They've just happened to stumble into the plot. Yeah, yeah. And they've gone into the woods and never to be seen of again. I think that must must have been a particularly evil Wirren, because it's been locked up. A naughty Wirren. (laughs) A naughty Wirren. It's not got anything to do with the fact that that's all they could find in the props. (laughs) But they're only in it for that short amount of time, but it's so effective. Yeah. 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 It's a great scene. The dying people or the women? The dying people. people. (laughs) Sorry. And now. And of course. We have to duck down so the visual effect doesn't go over. And we don't notice it. So um, (laughs) the the Megara were these little sort of. Sculptures, sculptures of lights, essentially, being carried around and manipulated by two black-clad puppeteers. But it's the same lights that are used for Arato's voice-speaking module 
the following year. It's a similar principle, but they didn't need the puppeteers. No, but they the, the way the lights go round and around with the shining central, like it's clearly the same sort of prop. Um, well, I think these the light balls themselves were the property of the puppeteers, but right. yeah, I think for um, Creature from the Pit, the BBC made their own. Right. Um, and of course, we have um, we have the central lights being voice activated by Gerard Cross and David McAllister doing their Michael Wisher impersonation. <laughs> No one's eyeline is right. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't matter. Like, you know, I just think, or maybe he's looking away because the light's too bright and they're blinding him. (laughs) More headcanon. Yes, headcanon. I love this. They're having their own little chat. You know, they're just these flashing lights and, you know, they sneak (laughs) off and then (laughs) they get a little bit, "Mm." and like, they're not looking at him. Like, they're just, you know, I just love it. I love it. None can escape the Megara. <laughs> I think the script expects them to be floating balls or something. Yes, but um, Star Wars had just come out and uh. there's that scene where Luke is training with a floating ball and Daryl Blake said, I, I want to avoid a direct comparison. Well, I think he made a good choice, actually. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I like the lights and it ties in with the mythological idea. You know, of course, the Megara were mythological beings in um, in Celtic and... Um, <sighs> Uh, angle mythology. Um, yeah, so and so to have them as lights and Look sort of little fairies. Mm. Well, I think we, I think I remember in our episode on Stones of Blood uh, speculating about the person whose job it was to paint <laughs> her breasts silver. Well, uh, the. And who was it? I don't know. John Nathan nice Turner. You can get it. <laughs> Let, let's was it see. Beatrice? So. <laughs> oh. I, I would say it was the makeup designer who was Anne Briggs. Oh, thank you for that clarification. <laughs> Got that a bit wrong. Um, Lesby Anne Briggs? No, <laughs> oh, dear. Her pulsing it's, staff is put paid to that other thing. Oh, straight at the camera. It's good such on you, a good makeup job. Beware. Agree. Agree. Or whatever she's saying. Agree. Oh, Come. Yeah. I command. And she just does this little look at the end here. Oh, she's having a moment. Yeah. <laughs> and the, you can just kind of see behind that, the swirliness, the camera is tilting up. But because the rocks are in such shadow, it's hard to tell. But I picked that up my last time watching this. So she's floating up into the ship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's interesting that, like, she comes into that point and, and like, she's just faded away and... I assume Professor's thing has to go to this point. Does that mean that she can just hijack that and come from any point of the ship? Do you know what I'm saying? Rather than standing where, oh, no, yeah, she's yeah. coming in here. Okay, yeah, fine. well, I, th- I, think, I think Vivian has complete oh. control. Um, oh, yes. So that's actually her swirly thing. Yeah. Not, not the Professor's swirly thing. That's right. right. Yeah, because she, she just destroyed the, the swirly thing machine. and then yeah. she made her own swirly thing. Forever. Forever. <laughs> <laughs> and and she's, she's got a great laugh for a cliffhanger, it has to be said. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, Tom sort of hugging and clutching Mary there. At this stage um, and to the end of his tenure, Tom's attitude for how does the Doctor deal with women is the Doctor doesn't have the human heterosexual male attraction to women. So he, you know, he will he will just grab them and clutch them because we need to be close for the trans man. You know, and his whole thing was the Doctor doesn't see anything sexual in that because it never occurs to him. And it's why at the beginning, um, when Mary's saying, no, no, you can't come in yet, when he's saying, what do you mean I can't come in? He doesn't understand that you can't walk in on someone who's dressing. (laughs) But it was also a way uh, where he could motivate 
uh, lots of scenes of him clutching his female yeah, co-star, I think, probably. <laughs> Especially when they're as attractive as Mary Tam. Yeah, yeah. I th- I, and I, even I, more when they're Lala Ward. <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think he wouldn't have dared tried it with Louise Jameson. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he hated her at the time. Well, apparently after um, Horror of Fang Rock, where she just said to him, look, you're being very unfair, maybe you don't want to have a sidekick, but I'm here too. Apparently after that point, it wasn't the friendship it is now, but it he was a healthy her. working relationship. Yeah. Um, well, I can't believe we're at episode, episode four. four. Yeah. It, it goes so quickly. It's such a joy when you're watching something it, it, so much fun. It, it doesn't does, seem like a chore. Yeah, it does whip along, doesn't it? We're not, we're not watching the Keys of Mariners again. <laughs> I think the trial scenes in this are so much better than the trial scenes in Trial of <laughs> Time Lord. You know why? Because people are standing and moving around the set. <laughs> you know, why wasn't Linda Bellion painted in silver, for God's sake? Yeah. <laughs> that would have been great. Uh, okay. So some good cliff. Uh, well, <gasps> not quite cliffhanger ending there. Acting. Look at her. She smelt the fart. <laughs> Deus Ex Magara. Ah! <laughs> Sorry. And I, I, you know, the the sloping panels—they don't quite meet the floor, <laughs> but I like it. Yeah. He is ours. He is ours. <laughs> may have him afterwards. Oh, what for? Yeah. <laughs> A haircut. Yeah, he needs mine. You're right, Brendan. He's like he's like Pertwee. His hair—it's his fifth season, and his hair is at his most bouffant. Is, is, is that console made of uh, like a cotton to model of BBC Television Centre? <laughs> I think yes. it's from the Ark in Space, probably. Yeah, it's another one of those control panels from the Ark in Space that's been. But yeah, you're like you're right. It looks like TV Centre, which is, is like it, being is turned it, into apartment it's being blocks. Being turned into flats. Yeah, I love how she's and framed space. in that shot where flat. she's sitting. Like again. Mm. They've um, demolished the Acton Hilton. Yes, yes, they have. Hmm. I actually did a little pilgrimage to the BBC Television Centre last time I was in London. I just sort of sat there in quiet contemplation outside the gates for a little while. And <laughs> what did you think about? Home. They filmed this in there. Oh. <laughs> Pete, Pete regenerated in here, you know. Amusingly, mm. when I did the same thing when I was living in the UK about eight, nine years ago, um, as I was walking down... To to like to television center, a a garbage truck went past, and the name of the company was um, disposing of the waste was Tardis. Really? <laughs> Tardis waste disposal, and it had a picture of a police box on the oh side of it. Gosh, no one in the BBC is actually looking out because you know they'll sue. <laughs> well, exactly, they even sued the um, Metropolitan Police, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just laughing at the Magara telling off Romana. She could be up for the death penalty as well. <laughs> Maybe we should get the Magara to impeach Trump. <laughs> they'd, vapor, they'd vaporize him on the spot. <laughs> Your testimony is irrelevant and orange. <laughs> she's actually quite, she's quite liking them, really. <laughs> I, I do wonder if they're kind of a counterpoint to the envisioning of Romana as a kind of by-the-book character. You know, la- last story she's talking about, in Barclay's Planetary Gazetteer yeah, and yeah. what have you. Um, and so, you know, she does soften over the season and in the season of um, Big Finish audios that Mary did with Tom, um, there are uh, 
there are several moments where she contemplates whether she should soften slightly, whether she should adopt new ideas and what have you. Because she she does need to be kind of lawful good so that Tom has someone to rebel against. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, And, you know, next year instead, when she's more like the Doctor, of course, we get fabulous repartee but we're getting fabulous repartee here as well it's just different another framing shot with vivian in the middle there it's fantastic Mm. yeah daryl blake has an excellent sense of depth of field it had never really struck me before (laughs) although still no one's eyelines are right yeah (laughs) i can't win them all (laughs) (laughs) need a tennis ball on a stick like they had for tooth and claw yeah that's exactly right (laughs) oh do you remember david tennant kung fu monks Commentary on Tooth and Claw. Talk, talking about the guy in the in the motion capture suit, who's in a very skin tight motion capture suit, and David Tennant says he was a big boy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it was the hard way. to look at the tennis ball. Apparently, <laughs> it wasn't the tennis ball I was looking at. I love the way that Tom just picked. Takes this um, <laughs> the barrister's wing. That is fantastic, actually. Um, Cornell Day and Topping hate this in the discontinuity guide. They say the first two episodes are a great lead up, and it's all thrown away in the last two episodes, revolving around the Doctor's defense of himself in hyperspace, which is woeful. Well, can I just yeah, say, I completely and utterly disagree. With yeah, that. so do I. You know, they also say that time and the Rani would only be possible if it was cut down to three episodes and came with a self lobotomizing kit. Well, I do agree with them. With yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> And Miss Deverack. Oh, that's hilarious. They always get it wrong. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's written Miss Deverack Trillunder, but it's all like it's almost always pronounced as Miss Deverack Trillunder. Deverack Trillunder. No, no, no. Like it, it actually, they actually change it halfway yeah. through by accident. Someone had yeah. misspelled it, and they just. So in her. season 16, she's Romana de Veratnalunda, yeah. and then she becomes Romana Veratralunda in yeah. season 17. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. there is. And I think in one of the Gallifrey audios, Romana has a passing comment, something along the lines of, oh, you know, I tried different pronunciations mm-hmm. once. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, maybe yeah, she's really good at thing. repairing. Yeah. Maybe yeah. maybe the second half of your name <laughs> evolves with each regeneration. Well, I, I change my name, like at school. <laughs> like I'm either Bealby or Bilby, depending on... Um, how I like to pronounce my name. Fair enough. Mm. Well, do, why do other timelines all have two syllable names then? I don't really understand. Well, in the Gallifrey audios, um, Andred is Arusa? given a longer name. Oh, he's Andred Veratralunda. Arusa <laughs> Veratralunda. It's got lots of C's in it after the oh, Andred. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. It just goes dust. Yeah, it's got lots of C's in it after the Android. It kind of sounds like a dinosaur name, like Android. Um, but, yeah, sort of in, in the Gallifrey series, as much as possible, um, like Maxwell is referenced. I don't think he appears, but he is referenced. Maxwell for actual. Yeah. yeah. Um, what is it the completely useless encyclopedia said? You know, the real secret of Doctor Who is going to be when the master, the um, when the Doctor, the master, and the Rani's names are revealed to be Tarkin Dravatril and Cecil Dravatril and Ad Bjork. <laughs> I thought the Doctor was Gordon. <laughs> his real name's Dorothy. I never actually ever, 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 ever his, want to find out his, his name. name is, no. His surname is Bennett. <laughs> Yeah, I've got no interest in finding out the Doctor's name. I was actually thinking about this the other day because reading Time Worm Revelation where Cornell does amazing things with language, um, there's a moment where the Doctor speaks a word that sounds like breaking glass. Wow. And that's the description you get. And it got me thinking. It's like, no, I don't care. It doesn't matter. No. There's no possible answer to the question that wouldn't be stupid. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, like the name of the Doctor. Yeah. But I, well, that's not a good story, but you did know that you were never going to get the Doctor's yeah. name. Mm. Going back to this, which we're actually doing oh, commentary yeah, on. The Stones of Blood. I do like this trial. The Doctor actually has witnesses that he can actually question. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As opposed to another trial, which I've watched recently. And, you know, as, as, you, as you complain about with Trial of a Time Lord, and I quite agree, the the doctor making fun of the Valyard belittles his character, whereas here, Tom is acting like he's in a real courtroom and being respectful to he's the judges and whatnot. Seriously. Occasionally, he's making snide little asides, but he's not doing knackyard because yard. Oh, you're just you're he's, just fairy he's making lines. those asides because he's frustrated, not because oh, yeah. he's being it's disrespectful. Yeah, and because the scripts are wittier <laughs> in mm. this era. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Oh, bloody Romana, making the professor carry the tripod. Yeah. I think you'd be like a... Here, 75-year-old woman, carry this heavy object. <laughs> it's fine. She's got you know. to protect her blow-dried hair. <laughs> uh, so, you know, this, this... I mean, I really like this. And, you know, it's hard to imagine another Doctor doing as well with this scene. Certainly Pertwee hated acting with green screen yeah. performers. Yellow wow. screen. It's witty. <laughs> it's yellow witty dialogue. It was yellow hearing. screen back then. Yeah. You know, that, that really sells it. And yeah, it's witty dialogue. That's but true. It's, it's clever as oh, well. clever. Way, That's what it, I meant. But, I mean, the way that he, he, he finally gets them to probe her mind and solve the mystery mm. requires him to be smart. Mm. And uh, so I think that's really good. And the look on his face there where she's agreed to what I want, oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he... Not, uh, not that he didn't want her to agree, but he realises she must have... Romana has taken oh, the contraption good. after yeah. all. Yeah, she must have felt guilty. And I didn't mention this earlier, but when Amelia repairs it, the um, the tube, the projector tube, is a different colour. It has changed colour. It was pink, and now it's got um, yellow in it. I don't know if we'll get another good shot of it, but it it's, it's showing that there's that progression and that attention to detail. Oh, look, the vertical hold's gone. <laughs> Mind. Oh, it's gone black and white, actually. <laughs> it does look like a black and white shot, doesn't it? Just a well, little bit of colour there in the background. It's, um, what's that? What a uh, Schindler's List. <laughs> I never thought we had <laughs> to compare Schindler's List. I just love that how she says I did not, and it gives like a 0.6 reading. Like, I mean, within the legal definition, it's true. She wasn't there, she didn't. Like it should be a one point zero if it's out of one. Like it's so funny. Or, or is it? Is it hearing that she's actually being deceitful in some way? You know, yeah, yeah, maybe. Think there's something very Douglas Adamsy about the Megara and that sort of stuff. Having yes. a legal definition of truth, which is like a number, and that the truth can be quantified as a number between mm. zero and one. All of that stuff, even the stuff about blowing up an entire galaxy in contempt of court. All of that. Is uh is very Douglas Adams. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give up. <laughs> so it's implication. <laughs> it's implication that the people in did I miss that the people like the, the aliens in the dead aliens in in the cells? Yeah, are they actually her jury? Um, they are either prisoners or guards. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah, I yeah. want them to be prisoners, I think. Oh, yeah, so we're going to be a guard? Yeah, don't be racist, Todd. Yeah. We, we're in it, make a good guard. Yeah, yeah. do do what I say or I'll improve. Or, yeah. <laughs> or, I'll, lay, or I'll lay my pupa in you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Maybe they can communicate with them. Go, 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 go. 
I won't remember the, the wearers could speak. <laughs> Leave the Ark, Fyra. They could speak. <laughs> Best performance oh, Kenton Moore did in the story. fantastic. Apparently, those like little beepy noises they made, what they're actually saying is, I'm Joel Cross, I'm talking to my friend David McAllister. And then that's just sped up. <laughs> you know, that, and they are just saying, please, balls, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Oh dear. These two I, are wonderful. I love together. this canine searching the crockery. How? <laughs> He's probing the crockery. I, I, I want a spin off series with Beatrix Lemon as Romana's companion and canine as their sidekick. <laughs> but they need to investigate all these sort of druidic circles in, in, in the UK every week <laughs> with lots with, of doors. With, with a, uh, <laughs> they've been out oh, with, a slight, with a slight <laughs> whiff of satisfaction. Frottage. <laughs> I think this is actually really clever, this whole Citric sometimes a meat and all sort of thing. Mm. Like, yeah, they don't, yeah. just don't like her blood. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. like yours, Nathan. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, to- well, Todd, you may get an opportunity to play the door game, of course, because uh, Fort of Doomsday was in our Peter Davison poll, which is now closed. We'll be announcing the winner at the end of this, at the end of this episode. People, you know what you've <laughs> got to do. What, well, infinity? <laughs> no, it's too late by now. They've by already the time people hear this, everyone's voting, Todd. You'll have to... Uh, Tweet it. Yeah, go back in time using Hermione Granger's thing and make sure that everyone the votes The time for, turner. Uh, <laughs> got, I'll just have to organise some sort of... If we have to do Arc Infinity, I think I'm going to have a family event Spe- on that. <laughs> Speaking of Hermione Granger, I've just finished playing Lego Harry Potter. <laughs> Good. I, I really enjoy Lego games. They're so much fun. We should have Lego Stones of Blood. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fantastic. There is Lego Doctor Who, so, you know. <laughs> They're not happy. <laughs> I, want, I want the Ogre to appear in Lego Dimensions as a, <laughs> as a monster. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> Tom's having fun now. <laughs> um. <laughs> Susan Engel, and I believe we mentioned this at the time, but was in the frame to replace Diana Rigg in the Avengers. Okay. Um, uh, along with uh, Wanda Ventham. Both of them auditioned for the role that eventually became Tara King. Imagine if it would be Wanda Ventham. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. And the thing is, Wanda had, in a way, had a better chance because they they did decide they wanted a blonde and so they dyed Linda Thorson's hair when she got the part, and it fell out. Yeah, so that's a wig. So that. for her first seven episodes, she wears a variety of wigs, and then she wears her own hair. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I love the fact that they're, they're so intense here. Like, they can't And they've the forgotten ogre. about the ogre. They're actually <laughs> to get them. But they're also working out the whole Ogros system thing, which I think then cuts back to his questioning of... Um, well, we're here now. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, You're being fed information. Finding out the same scenes. similar information. Mm, yeah. Rather. Do you know, it's funny, when we saw that door in shot a little bit earlier, I thought, oh, that's that glass that they make out of, like, toffee. <laughs> sugar, yeah, sugar glass, yeah. <laughs> and uh, there it was, smashing. I always expect her to be revealed to be the, the, the um, uh, she killed the child bride of, um, uh, you know that Doctor episode, Martha's first episode with that blood-sucking vampire woman? Oh, oh, you expect her to be... Um... Um, Anne Reed. No, no, yeah. no. But but what Anne Reed did? She 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 murdered the Plasmavore, the the, the child yes. princess of whatever. Yeah, you know, wasn't yeah. she tasty? Patrofol nine. I always, <laughs> I always think that the 
she did something similar. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, she has that same sort of dismissive kind of. Mm. She she's kind of effortlessly just wicked, isn't she? Mm. Gosh, that's a that's a great episode, isn't it, Smith and Jones? <laughs> I really love it. All those Michelin star sauces. <laughs> She's great. She's so good. And we've, we've, we've got her coming up in a couple of months. We do. Hooray. Yeah, yeah. She's in um, Curse of Henrik. Mm. Are you going to uh, do the special edition of Curse of Henrik? I haven't decided yet. Well, we're not commentarying. Well, we, commentary we, we may do. Yeah. Uh, if, if, if we do, we'll put up a quick poll. The thing, thing is, you could do all the silver... Special editions as options because they're actually quite good. Mm, mm. Unlike, unlike the Pete editions? special editions. Um, Battlefield. Curse, Battlefield. Curse of Fenric. There's at least one other one, isn't there? Is there Battlefield? Yeah, there yeah. is. Yeah, there isn't is. There? Yeah. It's oh, got it that is. stuff with the um, the spiral staircase and the, yeah, the yeah. terrible look like how, Christmas lights wrapped around it. Look how long his hair is. <laughs> it's sticking up. <laughs> There's a special edition of Paradise Towers. You know, the Doctor walks out with Mel, goes hello, and then it cuts to the Doctor coming back in with Mel going hello. <laughs> or goodbye, I should Not say. Not a fan. Not a fan, Todd. <laughs> Not a fan? No, worst story of the season. I love that, Paradise Towers. Yeah. Awful. I love that effect. Yeah, but when they stand, you know, with the arms like like statues. Yeah. It's it, a, yeah. Did, didn't they do that effect they in, um, in, a bit too in late. Dragonfire? Well, no, I was going to say... Um, Monks in a Pyramid, what was it called? Oh, yes. Um, Live the Land. Pyramid at the End of the World. No, no, the next oh, one where oh, they, like, one. They, they've got the, like, they stop oh, yeah, the bullets they, with yeah. their little sort of yeah. lattice work. <gasps> it's the wicker face mats just repainted. <laughs> Her brain might be damaged. <laughs> <laughs> this is yeah, not Vivian that's brilliant. It's yeah. genius. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The doctor's just been terribly clever. Been a great seal of diplomacy. And you know what? That painted floor almost works as a grate. You know, it, I've only just really looked at it and noticed it's not actually a cut-through grate. It is just painted on. Are you kidding me? It's not a grate. They, they've it's just, not a grate. They've just laid, they've laid. I thought it was a grate. Yeah. yeah, and I said it out. They've laid grate over it and sprayed painted yeah, yeah, yeah. in sections. Yeah, oh, because, that's clever. Yeah. Mm. Because um, they've got the studio floor. There's nothing underneath it. You yeah. Know? I Yeah, I literally only just noticed because I thought I was looking at they the also, I thought the, it was previously. They, they do have good foley on it as well, don't they? Like, they yeah, they do, do they metal make, footsteps. Oh, my God. I thought it was like, you know how I mentioned at the time they kept using that scaffolding, like yeah, all those yeah, different yeah. stories. I just thought it was like some of that scaffolding <laughs> put down over the floor. It's a bit, it's a bit like um, on Red Dwarf. They'll end up using corridors from Alien and Aliens yeah. as as walls and floors, which is incredibly effective um, from series three onwards. And there's a little kind of brace under the chair uh, next to Cicera of Diplos, which is just kind of a a design feature that you might expect to see if that chair is in some way modular or can be removed. Or it's like a, and it's this, a, an entry port the, to yeah, the yeah. floor area. Mm. My favourite thing about this is, you know, there's all these penalties that are thousands of years <laughs> and she's sentenced to serve them consecutively, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perpetual yeah. imprisonment. Yes. By consecutively. <laughs> and look at her face. Look at this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fabulous work. So I suppose she does a fifteen hundred year sentence first, and then another one, yeah. and then and then the indefinite. Oh, what one, what yeah. I love about this is the fact that um, 
they've obviously cast the stone, right? And yeah. so she's then got to act to make it look like she's actually yeah. in the shape of the stone. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like her hat. And I do. I also like how the 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 key to time part of it is just throwaway. It's just we mm. we we almost found this thing. We forgot about yes, it. I'm oh, going to stand there and do this, and <laughs> there we go. <laughs> uh, it it is. It's remarkably effective, mm. though. You know, yet you are working backwards from it. Um, but yeah, yeah, the whole key to time thing, they have been talking about how it's here, but it's not here and it's here, but it's not here. Yeah. So, you know, it then ties in with the hyperspace idea that hyperspace, you're occupying the same point, but not yeah. the same dimension. Yeah. But, yeah. And, and it's kind of like, you forget that they're even looking for it. And then he grabs it and you're like, ah, ah. aha. Yeah. And mm, he and, lets the doctor be clever, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, uses it to send, um, the Magara back because he fixed their ship. But I mean, that, are they you know, linked to their sad. ship? Is that why? Like, is that why, or is it something to do with the property of the, 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 the seal? seal? Yeah, I always thought it was to do with the property of the segment because they do mention that it has the, the power to, to change shape. Ch- change objects or at least their appearance mm. or or fix tie up <laughs> loose ends of the plot. <laughs> yeah. I love the fact that she has to survey everything all over again. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, dude, that looks a bit wrong, doesn't and, it? Yeah, there's her oh. nipple there. Yeah. Left nipple clearly visible in that. Oh, she doesn't like that. She's not wearing gone. a bra. You, <laughs> you know what, though? I do wonder if that is a feminist statement, like a deliberate... Oh, yeah, she, yeah, she yeah, actually... Refer- no, she, I think there are, there are, there are mentions... Oh, like, oh. there are interviews with Tom where he says, and she refused to wear a bra. Like, yeah. I mean, he and, actually... She was she was a wonderful woman. Refused to wear a bra. Yeah, and you know I. <laughs> That's probably why he liked her so much. Hooray! <laughs> oh, oh, isn't bless this lovely? You. Oh, great line and. Where is it? Lovely delivery. Oh, <laughs> That's wonderful. Bless you. But no, I do I do think if you know if she saw that as an important part of her character. And you know what? You can believe that because she is this female academic who has obviously had to fight hard to be taken seriously by yeah. sexist men. So, yeah, the idea of quote unquote, I'm simplifying the bra burning feminist. And this did she put them back into that refrigerator? Yeah, they're they're in a limbo cupboard in limbo. Yeah. <laughs> the the, the, the limbo hilarious. refrigerator. It's wonderful, isn't it? Because again, he can't do the thing because he's just, more just look at her. Look at him. Her. Look at her. <laughs> oh my god, we get a subtitle there hesitating. And he looks at us. Oh, the final shot should have been. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, should have been smirking. Yeah, that would have been wonderful. Oh, thank you, Mary. Thank, thank you, Tom. Mary. We miss you, Mary. Oh, Beatrix, lovely. Well, that was oh, fantastic. Susan. That was fantastic. Susan Engel is still with us. Yes. Uh, and still acting. She, she's a silver fox. <laughs> Literally. Now. Gerald Cross, yeah. David McAllister. Right, there you go. She used the um, the third segment to <laughs> turn herself into a silver fox. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that brings us to the end of Stones of Blood. And I am pleased to announce that at the end of season 25, we hope, um, commitments pending, we will be releasing our commentary on Enlightenment. But next week, we will be back with Remembrance of the Daleks, as well as our nominations for our Colin Baker commentary. So do come back for that. In the meantime, you can find us online at flightthroughentirety.sexy, flightthroughentirety on Facebook and Apple Podcasts, and at FTE Podcast on Twitter. Over on Bondfinger, we are 
nearing the end of the Pierce Brosnan era of James Bond. You can find that at bondfinger.com, Bondfinger on Facebook and Apple Podcasts, and at Bondfingercast on Twitter. Until next time, may none of the stones around your tent suck your blood. Thank you very much for listening, and good night. Good night. See you soon. Ta-ta. Oh, James. (laughs) I was waiting for that to come in.